News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 116 of the Luke Messias Show. Uh, I've got a myriad of different issues that I'm going to cover today. I will say that to start out, we're going to have a couple conversations about um, some things of an adult nature. So if this is playing, you know, in your car, uh, blasting with your kids, you know, with an earshot, you might consider like listening to this podcast at a different time. Um, and of course, we'll try to be uh, respectful of the way we handle some of this content, but uh, it's still going to be content of, adult, of an adult nature in some form or fashion. So you should just um, be aware of that uh, before we just start jibber jabbering on. So there we go. Let's uh, let's go through a couple things, and that's of course not every single issue that we're going to cover today. I'm going to talk about um, an existing scandal that's in the Texas House and kind of how that has broader impacts and why this even matters when it comes to uh, Texans' consideration of Austin. We're going to talk about. About, um, the issue of pornography that's been handled on a policy level somewhat this session and um, some drama surrounding that issue and why certain Republican senators seem hell-bent to protect the porn industry. We're going to talk about GOP priorities and their positions. Also, Chairman Dustin Burroughs and Chairman Chris Patty, who are on the committees that are basically bottlenecking a lot of the priorities that are sitting there, some local election information um, results and, and some things to take away from just this last Saturday's election. So let's get right into it. Um, uh, Texas Scorecard released a piece uh, regarding a scandal um, of a sexual nature that has happened between, um, well, let's just say that there definitely has been confirmed to be uh, a relationship of a sexual nature between Lacey Hole, who's a state representative whose husband filed for divorce on election day in November. She just got elected to a very competitive seat and her husband filed for divorce on election day, also asserting infidelity within his divorce filings. And then Representative Cole Hefner, who's been somebody I've known since I was, oh goodness, 22 years old, um, has a lot of kids, um, uh, conservative state representative in East Texas, spent a lot of time down in Houston and uh, began to have a relationship with uh, Mrs. Hole at the time. She was married. He was married. And then also uh, Lacey was having a, a sexual relationship with uh, Jordan Berry, allegedly, um, who is both Cole Hefner's consultant and Lacey Hole's consultant. And then Representative Valerie Swanson, Texas Scorecard, covers this piece in depth that Representative Swanson um, – and this is something we've heard from a couple different people, but that she was involved in basically communicating with Lacey Hole's husband during um, the, the this scandal coming to light and him wanting to divorce Lacey and urged and worked hard to prevent him and intimidated him to prevent him from filing for divorce before the election, saying that basically if you – the allegation is that she said that if you uh, come out and that affects the election, that a lot of lawmakers who are in positions of power will do what we can to hurt you through uh, the family court process of fighting for your children. And so this story has been reported. Um, there have been some additional reports that have come out with more 
text messages. Uh, if you do read the piece, uh, the Texas Scorecard has an in-depth piece, and they decided, made an editorial decision to not release um, a lot of the text messages and other electronic um, you know, communication that they had viewed in process of putting this story together to confirm that, yes, these things did indeed happen. Um, they also had an in-depth conversation with um, a, a woman who worked for Lacey Hole at the time that she was having these relationships with um, one married man and one of her or her campaign consultant. So what does this have to do um, with Austin? What does this have to do with you? How should this affect your life if you're a Texan? Um, there's, there's something that uh, Pancho Navarez said um, when he left. And Pancho Navarez, for those of you who don't remember, is a state representative from down in the Rio Grande Valley who was caught with some cocaine. It fell out of his pocket and DPS picked it up at the airport. It later turned out to be his and they found that on video. And then he announced that he would not seek re-election and then he went to rehab and coming out of rehab, he sat down and penned an open letter about his time in the legislature. And he asserted at that point that he had a propensity to color outside of the lines, okay? So uh, basically he lived in the gray area of ethics and he said that bodies like the legislature reward that and this was the Democrat who Dennis Bonin put as a chair of public safety. Um, and he said something that a lot of us have known for a long time, which is that the legislature as a culture rewards bad behavior. So uh, when your state representative talks to you about how they need to do certain things in order to accomplish certain things or they need to act a certain way in order to be more favorable to leadership so that they can be put in positions of power, just know that what they're also saying is that there is a need to sometimes color outside the lines. There's a need to live in a little bit more of the gray area of life because that's the type of behavior that is rewarded in the legislature. So what was reported in the scorecard last week regarding this, um, the relationship of a sexual nature between Lacey Hole and Cole Hefter and Jordan Berry, the Jordan Berry portion was a little bit of a new piece of information, but in all reality, all of these things have been known by Austin legislators for a very long time, okay? Months and months and months of this being common knowledge. And um, the truth is that it didn't affect Cole Hefner and Lacey Hole's standing in the legislature. It has not affected their ability to accomplish anything and everything. Um, Dan Huberty, who was a state representative who recently got arrested for driving his Corvette underneath a parked minivan um, and being intoxicated and trying to use his elected status to get out of that, you know, was back on the floor just yesterday, um, making a speech about how he's an alcoholic and, um, and then his, you know, colleagues all stood up and gave him a, a rounding, uh, applause. And, and so the culture and the environment that the legislature is in, you just have to understand is, is pretty horrific. It's sad. It's dark. It's not good. So if your legislator is telling you about how good these guys are, they're misleading you. And, it's an important thing to point out because one of the things that the legislature does is that it kind of needs the self-affirming loop. 
Um, I saw a bunch of legislators give Jake Elsey money who just ran for Congress and came in second. He's now in a runoff with Susan Wright and just recognizing the fact that all of these state representatives who are Republicans, who are honestly significantly more conservative than Jake Elsey, uh, Mays Middleton is one of those and Mays is somebody who fights on a lot of issues that we care about and he is significantly more conservative than Jay Kelsey, okay? He's probably even more conservative than Susan Wright, who's very conservative. And she is definitely the more conservative candidate in this election, yet Mays Middleton gives Jake Elsey money. Why? I would assume it's because he's a state representative. And there's this situation in the Texas House where you have to, like, it's all for one and one for all basically, right? So um, it's a loyalty to the point of we excuse each other's bad behavior. In fact, we even know that some of us do bad things and are rewarded for doing it. But then we also talk very highly of the institution because leadership has convinced you that if people think highly of the institution, they think highly of you. It's a major, major problem. Um, And I think that transitions and segues us. And and that story will continue to get reported on. I'm sure more information will continue to come to light. Um, And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how and and what other lawmakers decide to do. Or are we just okay with this? Is this the new normal? Is the Republican Party of Texas elected officials, is it standard operating procedure to have your consultant sleeping with another one of your colleagues who's married at the time and trying to serve in your chamber? What does that speak to regarding the character of this entire place, the institution? What does it speak to the character of the party? Uh, Matt Schaefer had a phenomenal quote that I continue to go back to, and y'all have heard me say this all the time, but he said, the behavior we tolerate becomes the standard we set. And here's the truth. The standard of behavior for the Texas legislature is very, very, very low. You should just know that. That transitions us into pornography. Um, There is a a little bit of a rural boondoggle. The legislature creates these things every two years, but they create these incentive funds. We've put a couple billion dollars into this new fund we're going to create where internet service providers can come and us as taxpayers will pay them to go give better, higher-speed internet to certain places in rural Texas. And the truth is I've got family out in rural Texas. I know a lot of people out in rural Texas. And, uh, yeah, they don't have as good an internet as people who live in San Antonio or Austin or Dallas. And so the government's going to pay to get them higher-speed internet. And Jeff Kaysen, a state representative from Bedford, offered a phenomenal amendment on this legislation in the House. And it said – that we were going to give preferential treatment. We as a state, we're going to give preferential treatment to internet service providers who filtered pornography on the default internet they gave you, which basically means when you get the internet, okay, think of it like your cable. Uh, You get cable, normally uh, adult channels are not available, okay? You have to, like, call your cable provider and say, hey, I want those channels. Um, And I don't need to go off on a soapbox about the destructions of pornography. I'll say a couple things, which is just that pornography is literally one of the initial and first gateways every single human being gets to distorting sex in society. And the distortion of sex in society is destroying lives. It's destroying families. It's destroying women. It is literally costing some people their lives. Um, This is a major, major, major problem. And uh, this is a problem for women and men. 
I only say that because a lot of times it only gets talked about as a man issue. It is a woman issue as well. Um, but it is more predominantly a struggle for men, and it will destroy people's lives, and it will distort their entire idea of what is and is not okay. It will pervert how they think they should treat women and covet women. It's a problem. Jeff Kaysen offered an amendment that said, hey, we want to make sure that the internet that's provided to these people, when they first get it, doesn't give you access to adult content. And then if you call your internet service provider, you can then get access to it. Um, This has been something that's pushed, uh, just to let y'all know, if you don't know already, Great Britain, this is kind of the default internet that you get over there, which is pretty awesome. Um, I don't know why America hasn't caught up, and Texas had a chance to lead on it, and still does. Um, So this amendment got bipartisan support. Almost every single Republican, except for Lyle Larson out of San Antonio, voted for the amendment, and then several Democrats, I don't know, eight, nine, or ten. So it went over to the Senate, and Robert Nichols from Deep East Texas said, no way, Jose, we need to make sure that rural Texans, by default, get as much access to porn as possible. And he stripped that amendment out. And uh, unfortunately, the Senate just didn't do anything about it. Dan Patrick didn't do anything about it. Other senators, this thing flew through. And, um, and so it came back to the House without the porn filter on it. And this presented a situation where uh, now Trent Ashby, in fact, it's like Tuesday, so he might do this today, he might do it tomorrow, but at some point he's going to decide either to go to conference or to stay, and if he goes to conference, then there's a chance that they put that filter back in, and if he just accepts the Senate's version, he's saying, I don't really care that they stripped that filter out. And I'm sure that AT&T and a lot of these large internet service providers are opposing this. They didn't support it on the front end. They lied to the legislature and told them that they couldn't even filter this stuff, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, But what does this tell us about the legislature? There was another vote on pornography that Jeff Kaysen also offered um, on a brain institute. So uh, we're creating this new, again, another boondoggle thing. I mean, Let me just tell you this. A government institute is not going to solve the brain problems we have. But, you know, they've decided to create an institute to do so. So they create this brain institute and um, they're going to study different things that have to do with brain diseases and addictions and all these things. And so they're going to create this – put this money in and work on it. And Jeff Kaysen offered an amendment that said, hey, I would like to study porn addiction so that we can further address that public health crisis. And uh, that amendment died. A bunch of decent amount of Republicans, quite a few Republicans and some Democrats voted for it, but a lot of uh, Republicans did not, and a bunch of the Democrats did not, and they killed that amendment. And it it was so interesting seeing the cognitive dissonance because these lawmakers on that day were all wearing pink uh, to signify their support for a staffer who had alleged that she had been drugged by a lobbyist. Um, roofied. And uh, that accusation turned out to the extent that it has been reported by law enforcement not to be the case. Um, And in fact, they've said there will be no criminal charges charged because there's no evidence of a crime. This is really interesting because um, lawmakers were literally all dressing up and showcasing their support for a young woman who evidently wasn't even roofied while also voting to make sure that we're not trying to deal with the porn addiction problems throughout society. So uh, votes don't have to line up with your actions. Cognitive dissonance is alive and well, and of course politics just kind of amplifies how much that shows up. Um, 
these two issues are inextricably linked when it comes to the scandals that we're witnessing and viewing the behavior that we're seeing tolerated and rewarded, and then, of course, the actual policy votes of these lawmakers. So um, that being said, it's going to be interesting to see once the dust settles how we handle some of these policy issues by the end of the legislative session and if the House pushes back to the Senate's attempt to, uh, to cover for the porn industry. We have a lot of Republican priorities in the state of Texas, and most of them are not going anywhere. And it's not a surprise because Republican leadership as a whole has not prioritized Republican priorities. We have executive overreach uh, that is absolutely getting killed in the Texas House. The Senate has taken strong, bold action on that issue. Brian Birdwell has been the tip of the spear and has really done a great job while the House has actually worked to further codify and solidify the governor's unconstitutional authority. The Texas Constitution says the governor of Texas shall make no law. He can't make laws, but he thinks he can. He still has laws in place, executive orders that he says hold the weight of laws that are in place from Hurricane Harvey. Not for COVID, from Hurricane Harvey. It's massive abuse that has gone on in this state. And the governor has perpetuated it, and the Senate is trying to deal with it, and the Texas House is working with the governor to protect what he views as his unconstitutional authority. Uh, There's a ban on taxpayer-funded lobbying, which again has passed the Senate and has not passed the House, is stuck in committee. It was put in a committee chaired by a Republican, chosen by the Speaker, who has opposed taxpayer – who has – supported taxpayer-funded lobbying and opposed a ban on taxpayer-funded lobbying throughout his career in the legislature. There was a major fight two years ago, and Dade Phelan was on one side trying to ban taxpayer-funded lobbying, and Chris Patty was on the other side fighting for taxpayer-funded lobbying and protecting it. And Dade Phelan took Chris Patty and put him as the chair of state affairs. He put a person in charge of a committee, and he knew exactly where he stood on this issue. So Dade Phelan and Chris Patty have worked together to kill... A ban on taxpayer-funded lobbying, which is a top Republican priority and looks like it's dead for the session. Could it pass? Yes. Should you keep asking for it to pass? I would if you want to do this. Why? Because the more you ask, the more they do. And the more you tell them they have to do something, they tend to do more. The legislature has been more responsive to the cries of the grassroots this session than before, probably because last session was incredibly horrifically purple session, and we've complained about it for two years, and all these lawmakers and politicians complained that we called it a purple session while knowing it was a purple session, so now they're trying to make a non-purple session so that we can't call it purple again. And I know that was a rant. I don't know if you followed like my purple analogies and all that, but you need to know The GOP priorities are dying. There's a school choice push that's dying. It's dead. There's a monument protection push that's not going anywhere. The Texas House is not moving that stuff at all in any serious way. Constitutional carry is moving, and it's moving because Dan Patrick called the Texas House a bunch of criminals, and they got offended, and they knew that Dan Patrick didn't like constitutional carry, so they passed it out of the chamber and threw it over to him as a hot potato, which was one of the smartest decisions that Dade Phelan ever made politically. And it put Dan Patrick in a tough place. He came out and said, we don't have the votes to pass this, trying to lower the expectations for people that thought that they would get this law this session, which is the same thing he said when open carry came over in 2015. He said, I don't have the votes in the Texas Senate to pass an open carry bill. And then the vote showed up and he passed the open carry bill. And the same thing is happening this time. Just know when a lieutenant governor, any lieutenant governor, it's not just a Dan Patrick thing, it's any lieutenant governor, when they say, I don't have the votes, it means we need to 
lower the expectations of people to stop the pressure from coming in. Uh, but it didn't work, and people kept putting pressure, and now the bill is moving, and I believe it will get signed into law. Governor Abbott, who has done nothing to pass constitutional carry, will be the 21st state in the union to do this. 20 other states have stronger gun laws than Texas. We're about to become the 21st. Governor Abbott has never supported constitutional carry until a week or two ago, and he still doesn't really support it. He just said, I will sign it into law. Understand, we have such low expectations of our leaders that you don't even need to fight for something. Like, it's at least good if you will just say that you won't veto it. That is literally the extent to which our governor has supported making us as good as these 20 other states. That's all we want. Can we have the same rights and privileges that people enjoy in 20 states? Um, I guess if the legislature gets it through to my desk, I'll sign it. Well, thanks for not vetoing the bill, but that doesn't really make you any type of advocate for the Second Amendment, unfortunately. Um, let's go down the rest. Abolishing abortion. I do believe that we're going to have a lot of different pro-life legislation that will pass this session. They are waiting till the end. And some of that's designed so that all the other priorities don't pass, but they try to end on a good note. I do think over the next week we'll do that. Just to remind everyone, if a House bill is going to pass the Texas House, it has to be out of committee, I believe, on the 10th. And then it has to be voted out of the floor by the 13th. So the clock is ticking. When I'm telling you, you see anybody else talking about how these, legis these pieces of legislation are dying, it's because Literally, the clock is running out, and everybody knows it. Leadership knows it. They are intentional on the fact that today we have a big calendar but no GOP priorities, okay? That's intentional. It's all designed to push the clock back and make it harder to pass some of these other things. There's a ban on child gender modification that is sitting in the House Calendars Committee. The Texas Senate has already taken action. They called it child abuse because that's what it is. In the Texas House, Stephanie Click and people on the Public Health Committee said they did not want to call it child abuse. They didn't want to go after parents who are sexualizing their little kids and trying to tell them and convince them that they are the opposite sex of the what they were born. Um, but in the Texas House, there is a bill by Matt Krause which does ban the transgender surgeries and the transgender puberty blockers, which we've talked about on this podcast. And, and Dustin Bros is sitting on the bill. I mean, it's the definition of sitting on the bill. Every single day he's sitting on the bill. I will tell you this. I believe Dustin Burroughs is going to put this bill on the floor because he's getting absolutely roasted. And he's getting lambasted by conservatives all across the state, and they're rightfully criticizing him because he is working in opposition to the children of Texas. And so hopefully he will quickly put this bill on the floor and move past. Um, so that's where we're on that Republican priority. And the next one is religious freedom, some little stuff that has been dealt with, but a lot of stuff that hasn't um, – and election integrity has passed the Senate and has been sitting in the House but is moving. And I believe probably next week we will see a large day committed just to election integrity. Um, we're going to get a couple good bills out of this legislature, and that is going to be a blessing. But, man, it has been a lot of work to get that little bit of work accomplished and done. Uh, local elections were just this last Saturday. And for those of you who were following along, you would have seen that in Austin, a camping ban uh, passed. And this is huge. You know, the city of Austin, for those of you who haven't spent time in the city, thank God you haven't had to. But if you were here, you would see that they, under uh, every overpass, there's like a a tent city, okay? And people are having babies there. Crimes are being committed there. People are building little houses and living in these areas. I mean, they're charged, they're living there, okay? And because Austin decided to say, hey, let's not 
act like these homeless people are criminals. So let's tell them that they can camp in any public place and they're okay. And so we incentivized them to be more homeless people. And so all the homeless people come to Austin because they can just camp out and have a home under an underpass, which you can't do in other major cities. Well, the people of Austin, the Democrats and the independents and the Republicans got a ballot initiative put on the ballot and voted for it with 57% of them voting to reinstitute the camping ban, saying, if you're going to camp on a sidewalk, we're kicking you out of the city. You can't do that. You get a fine. You're a criminal now because you're committing a crime. And this is a huge repudiation of um, – th- this is – I would say one of the largest – I don't even know. I mean it, it's it's significantly criticizing in Austin's entire governorship, governing mentality and worldview of their city. And it was done by Democrats, independents, and Republicans. So it looks like certain policies that are being pushed in the city of Austin are essentially being shut down by the citizens of Austin who are, as a whole, the most liberal group of citizens in the state. So this is a very promising result and something we should uh, definitely be excited to see. Another great exciting uh, occurrence was in South Lake, which is in North Texas around the DFW area in between Fort Worth and Dallas. Um, There was a slate of candidates that were all running to get rid of critical race theory from the classroom, and uh, they won a sweeping victory across the school board. And it was good to see, and this has happened several times around Texas, where local people have organized to say, hey, we don't want Marxist ideology taught to our kids and shoved down their throats in school. We're going to run and put an end to this. And so they did do that, and um, and that is a very good thing to see. Uh, we also have, uh, last but not least, I saw San Antonio had Prop B. That is in my city. And um, anyways, I'm very glad that Proposition B failed, but it barely failed. And so this was a smarter approach uh, by Democrats. So instead of fighting to defund the police, which has happened in several major cities, they basically fought to take away their collective bargaining. So they said, hey, we're going to take away the San Antonio Police Union's collective bargaining power, which will give the city more leverage to further defund the police department or defund them, period. San Antonio has opted against defunding them. Um, So to give them a little bit of credit, but I do think it's a credit to a lot of the citizens that made it clear in San Antonio, you better not defund the police. And so this was a way of going a, a kind of an end around to get there eventually. And I think overall, it is a good thing that um, that that prop did not pass. And we basically are in a situation uh, where the city of San Antonio is clearly split on this issue. And and large cities in Texas, I'm in a large city. It's a Democrat city is what San Antonio is. It's not a leftist city like Austin, but it is not a conservative city. And if you are in these different cities, just know that you're going to have to continue to get more and more involved in your local election process. Um, The most exciting thing that I saw happen on Saturday was that the city of Lubbock abolished abortion in its city limits. And Planned Parenthood was looking at trying to build a Planned Parenthood in that city. The mayor and a bunch of the city councilmen are cowards and they didn't want to institute a ban on abortion in the city. And so the citizens went and gathered the petitions and put it on the ballot themselves and it passed with a ton of support uh, from the citizens. And so seeing all of those citizens engage even further in the process was incredibly exciting. Seeing Lubbock, which is the first major city in Texas to ban abortion, we've had a ton of cities ban abortion, but they've largely been smaller cities. This is a huge 
step up. And so exciting. Um, it's literally stuff that we've been working on for years in the legislature. Two years ago, we pushed language in a bill to ensure that it was clear that some cities could ban abortion if they wanted to. Uh, Dustin Burroughs and other people fought against us hard, tried to get us to pull uh, Jonathan Stickland. In fact, we had him on the show where he literally shared when he was asked by Dustin Burroughs and these people to pull this amendment. And then Dustin Burroughs had to go back and campaign in Lubbock to ban abortion because he is against abortion. But the games that get played in Austin completely pervert where you stand on issues like we've talked about with the porn issue. So uh, it was so good to see these people in Lubbock campaigning so hard um, and the victory that was had on election day. So with that, we have a lot going on. Hopefully I'll continue to bring you more information. Thank you so much for staying involved. Thank you for getting educated. Please be taking more action uh, to get further engaged in the political process. And as always, I am blessed to be able to come to you on a weekly basis and just talk to you about all the things going on in Texas. No doubt that there's a ton of battle fields that are uh, that are placed and there's a ton of opportunities to engage in that battle. Thank you so much to each and every one of you for taking the time now, but then also looking at other future battlefields to engage in. God bless you. God bless Texas. Thank you for listening to the Luke Messia Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you and God bless Texas. Texas.